0: Father, we want to thank you for this time that we can gather together as your people to worship you, to focus on you, to rest in your presence and to draw near to you so that we can draw from you, O oh God, what you have prepared for us for this day, food for the spirit, food for the soul. Father, we come to you to, uh, today, we pray, O oh God, that you will enable us to feast on your truth, Feast on your revelation because your word is spirit and your word is life unto us. Father, therefore, we open out our mouth, we pray. Would you fill it with what you have prepared for us? We pray, O oh God, that you enable us to hear from you and hear from you only. You enable our spirit to receive from you something that you have in store for us. Give us understanding beyond our age beyond our natural ability, our intellect, that we may capture what is on your heart. We give you thanks and praise and surrender this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. As I share with us that we are going on a, um, a, a, a rather a continuation uh, from what we have been talking about on, uh, on covenant, on, on the grace of God. We are continuing on in the whole series of walking towards living out our redemption, or the redeemed life that we have in Christ Jesus. Uh, last Sunday, and also during the BGM, I will share with us uh, the, the premise, the foundation, why do we need to talk about redemption in the church? Isn't it something so, so fundamental and so basic? I want to suggest to us that because if you have not uh, listened to what I've been saying uh, on Palm Sunday on Easter, do get the, uh, do go on the YouTube and uh, watch the re- watch the recording there, so you can have understanding the background. What are we talking about, right? And uh, during the BGM, I say the church needs redemption, all right. Uh, I think any theologian who hear that they will jump from their seat, right, and say that this pastor are you preaching heresy? The church needs redemption, I say. And I explain, ah, uh, what does it mean? We need redemption, okay. So, uh, be- before before uh, something inside you jump out and then protest profusely, uh, uh, watch that two uh, video, right? The two series, uh, the two uh, 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 sermon for the past two weeks. But we are going on to this walking into living a redeemed life. As I want to share with us. Uh, as uh, this is the season of time that we can look at it from different perspective, different angle, and therefore walk into the the covenantal blessing that we have in Christ Jesus. What does it mean to live uh, uh, living a living redeem, a redeemed life? Huh? Uh, I would like to start by reading out with us to, together Lamentation chapter three, verse fifty seven to verse fifty eight. Lamentation chapter three, verse fifty-seven to verse fifty-eight. Let's read together. You draw near on the day I call on you and say, "Do not fear, O Lord. You have pleaded the case for my soul. You have redeemed my life." Now this must be a cry for all of us, a call for all of us that we cried out to God in desperation, in uh, in distress in hopelessness, in powerlessness, in, in, the, in the depth of our, our sins and our trouble. And, uh, and uh, Prophet Jeremiah, who wrote the book uh, Lamentation, said that you drew near on the day I call on you. On the day I call on you, you drew near and said, do not fear. O oh Lord, we have pleaded the case for my soul. I am condemned in my sin. I'm, caught, I'm hopeless in my, in my despair. But you pleaded the case for my soul. God pleaded our case of condemnation, a sure-die situation through the cross of Jesus. Jesus is, has been described as our advocate, our intercessors. He came to die not only for our sins, He's pleading for our case. He said, come on, He said, not not just, just come on, right? You see, speak to the devil and say, that, this one I have redeemed by my blood. But the devil said, this one has sinned. Yes, I have carried his sins on my shoulder. He pleaded, Jesus pleaded our, our case for our soul. The devil wants to lay hold of our soul, take hold of our thinking, our mind, the mind of our children, emotion, our will, break our will, you know, make our will so lethargic and make our mind so clouded and, uh, and, and inflict our body with sickness. He wants to take hold, destroy, damage our emotion. And that is a case to be pleaded. But the cry must come from us. You draw near on the day I call on you. Jeremiah saying, I call on the Lord. My dear friends, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, if you are in a situation you need God, call on Him. He will hear us. He will draw near on the very same day you call on Him. And He will plead your case, my case, on our behalf for my soul because we have an advocate in heaven. We have an intercessor in heaven who never sleeps, you know. Intercessors nowadays need to sleep, right? That's why we need to have 24-7 network because not any intercessor can pray 24-7. So we need a whole lot of people to put together a network. But there is an intercessor in heaven that never sleeps. A skillful advocate, the one who not only knows how to argue our case but has done what is necessary to win our case. Jesus Christ is His name. And you have redeemed my life. As I share with us, I'm not going to uh, much depth of it. That redeem means something is being locked away, something is being imprisoned, something is being held in ransom. Redeem my life and every part of my life. Lamentation is written by the prophet Jeremiah, and sometimes we call. Him, a weeping prophet, right? A crying baby. Right? He cried, he cried, he cried. Right? He wrote the book of Jeremiah. He wrote uh, the book of Lamentation. But what is, why is he crying so much? He cried so much, number one, because he saw the depth of sin. Number two, he saw the hopelessness, the depth of destruction of sin. Number three, he saw the heart of God in all, midst, in, in all this. All three was something that caused him to cry. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, let me just encourage you, as I mentioned to you, our power station on Tuesday night. Now, Lamentation, the book of Lamentation, the, the, the prophet Jeremiah gave us a very good indicator. Help us, I believe, it will help us a long way to pray for our situation for breakthrough for our nation for the nations of the world in all this that is that we are facing the pandemic and all the rest of it but we must come to the lord we must call on the lord have you started to call on the lord you have started to call on the lord don't stop calling on the lord because when the lord drew near on the day he, he say i do not fear that is the beginning of the redemption process, the process of restoration, the process of salvation. It is a process. Just like the day that we accept Jesus, Jesus comes into our life, but our life does not become okay, perfect at an instantaneous moment. Is it, not? is it not true? Is it not true in our experience? Right? You became a Christian, you are happy Everybody happy for you, and you get baptised, confirmed, whole church rejoices and your problems are over. Is that, is that right? No. There is God lying. Of course not, because we don't understand God's Word. right? To say it bluntly. La, right? We think we do. Actually, we don't. Because we have not spent time dwelling in the Word of God. Right? So, even when we pray, how do we pray? We need to pray. We need to pray day and night. Day and night we pray. Some pray at day, some pray at night. Everybody prays. So, prayers of of day and night can be lifted up to the Lord. But how do we pray is important. Not Not any prayers, not all prayers are the same. Do you agree with me? So all prayers are the same. So we need to understand God's heart to pray according to God's heart. We need to understand God's Word to get the strategy to pray. Many people are calling us, you know, the Anglican Church and all the rest of it to, to, to join in all kind of prayers, network. And I always say, no, all prayers are the same. And therefore, let us spend our time well. In prayers, let us prepare our hearts. So on Power Station, we are going into the world in a deeper dimension, spiritual dimension and understanding as well. And this Tuesday, we're going to look at a spiritual warfare. And I, and I, and I, and I, and I call my, my sharing this uh, Tuesday as siege warfare. What does it mean? Come and join us. Because you will, will take about an hour and a half in order to understand it. Siege warfare. We are in war. We are in spiritual warfare. How deep is the sin? How deep is our sin? And how much it affects our 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 situation, our atmosphere, our society, our nation, you know, the our culture and all the rest of it. In Lamentation chapter two, the depth of the sin has caused. Jeremiah, to, to, to say this, he did not remember his footstool in the day of his anger. The Word of God says, God is everywhere, right? Heaven is his throne. Where is his footstool? Earth is the footstool. He did not remember his footstool in the days of his anger. What does he mean? He trampled upon the earth. Do you not see the whole pandemic? It's the trembling of God's feet on his footstool. Unless the church begins to recognize that we do not know how to pray. Unless the unless, you know, read Lamentation in preparation for our this season. Uh, it's not a very long book, huh? You can this afternoon, you can read, you can finish reading, otherwise. to to now, any time along the week. It's only only, only a few chapters. God is trembling on His footstool and everyone, everything therein is affected. Do we need redemption? When do we, when are we going to cry out to the Lord? In order to enter into this season of uh, 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 living out our redeemed life. Let me just introduce a few uh, things to us in order to for us to 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 see a picture. Right. So for those of us who are young children, uh, you really need to capture this because you need to explain it to your children. Right. Uh, yeah. So we just pray that uh, somehow in their own spirit, they'll be able to capture. Uh, a measure of, uh, of the Word of God. First of all, I want to introduce uh, uh, to you what is irrevocable in, in God's vocabulary. What is the irrevocable? Irrevocable means it cannot be returned, cannot be reversed. Uh, the Chinese say, right? there is no turning. There is no way of negotiating out. It is non-negotiable. It is, it is irrevocable, right? So, those of us who are, who are f- familiar with legal terms, when you say irrevocable, means that you better careful. You say this, I'm giving you an irrevocable promise. Oh, cannot be revoked. No matter what happens, the irrevocable in God's vocabulary, Romans chapter 11, verse 29. Let's read together. For the gifts at the calling of God are irrevocable. What does it mean? When God gives us some spiritual gifts, it does not depend how good you are. If you're a nice little boy, you're a nice little girl, He will let you use it. Oh, if you're bad, He will put it back. No, He will not do that because His gifts are given to us. It is irrevocable. Simply means that if He has given us spiritual gifts, if He misuse it, there will, be, there will be the day when God is going to call for accountability. What have you been, use, what have you been doing using my spiritual gifts? I give, a, I, I give you a gift to be able to communicate my truth so powerfully in songs, in music, in voices. What do you use? You use it to make money. You deprive people who cannot afford your music of my message. Hey, God is going to call for accountability, right? But God is not going to pull it back and say, hey, no, 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 I give you gifts to bless my people and you use it to make money. I pull it back. No, it will not. He will not do that. Be very careful. A gifted person, even though a spiritual gifted person, does not mean that the person is right in the eyes of God because his gift is irrevocable? Well, this person very anointed or prophetic or apostolic. or Do you think that if this person has sinned, has gone way away from God, that that gift is going to be retracted back? No. This is the Word of God. It's irrevocable. So many of the times that, you know, we talk to the African brothers and sisters, they say, oh, this one is like, very anointed. They said okay, okay, okay. Right, we, we have a lot of this in Africa, he said. Right, All these Africans, uh, God-fearing servant of God will say that they, you have a lot of these African preachers who come and you don't know their name, but where the minister or sign and wonders happen, we always ask this question, who lay hands on you? That means that what, what kind of background are you from? Who lay hands on, on this person? So you always ask this question. Because, because, you see, the gifts of God, the the anointing that has been released to God's servant, God will not retract it. But if the person has gone way, wayward, huh? In his in his moral life and so on, that gifting would it still be operating? It would still be operating. We've seen on the worst scene in the in the in the circle of Christian servant home home we know. Whose, whose personal life, whose moral bearing is completely destroyed, held in bondage by spiritual, by spiritual power, by generational iniquity. But yet they continue to prosper in the gifting that God has given to them. So we need to be very careful because gifts is not revoc- Secondly, the calling of God is irrevocable. Now this is This is serious. Right, God's gift, calling and vocation are irrevocable. If God's calling is not is irrevoc- e, uh, irrevocable, or sometimes we say vocation. We talk about calling. What do you think of full time ministry? Right? No, it's vocation. I'm the Dysonson Vocation Chairman. Let me give you now. You have to start, You don't start me talking about vocation. Now you will stay here until afternoon. But let me really quickly say, vocation is our position, our place in life. Each one of us has a place in life. Right? Each one of us has a place in life. We, we, are, we, are, supposed to be, we are supposed to be called into, into doing something that God has in store for, for us, live a life that God has in store for us. That is our place in life. God may have have, have called a person to, in his vocation, in the vocation to be somebody, to be, uh, to be powerfully involved in the corporate world. Don't run away from it. It is a vocation. I can tell you that, you know, the church today needs all kinds of giftings. You know, when I, when I, when I, when I sensed that the Lord is uh, calling me into the preaching in the ministry of the Word, I took it up because I, I didn't exactly feel that I should be uh, doing the whole of other things that like what a normal priest of the Anglican Church would be doing. That's why I, I, I stepped into this non-stimulatory uh, position. And I believe that the gifting that God has given to me and placed in my life, the training that He has put into that enabled me to articulate, to, to communicate God's truth is still very, very useful. And that is what I want to do. You know, so you can see in the church today, we are crying out loud for people who have, you know, the kind of give things in recording minutes. That's what our brother Leonard is a, is a, is a diocesan uh, honorary sec- secretary. He was spotted way before this but they'll never be able to got his, their hands on Him until last year. <laughs> Initially, I, uh, I, I say to him, I said, this one you've got to think about very carefully. Right? Because if it is a vocation, if it's a calling that God has put in his life, he cannot run away. Right? So he has to step into it. But if it is not, then we will, we will find that we are doing something that we find that we are, we are so miserable. So it doesn't mean that in the full-time ministry, in the pastoral ministry, it's always a higher calling. Somebody say it's higher calling. As a vocation chairman, I want to say to you, no, it's not a higher calling. Each calling is at the same height. <laughs> Do well in your, in your position in life the church today needs so many lawyers, engineers. Just now I walked with an engineer to go out to the to of the church to look at our engineering problem, maintenance problem, which I'm out of. It's out of my debt. It's out of my debt. You know, we need accountants. We need financial people who can manage finances well with godly principle. And it is a calling. It's a vocation. We need business people, innovative people. That is a calling. It is a vocation. And without this, the society, the the body of Christ cannot impact the society. You understand what I'm saying? So, the God's gift, calling, and and vocation are irrevocable. If you are not walking in it in the way that God has prescribed that we should walk in it, my, oh my, you'll find that you live a life that is so uh, so miserable, you're so restless, you don't even know why. And let me just tell you why. Is there anything that God has given to you as God's gift, as God's calling, and God's vocation that you have you have consistently walking away from it, hiding it under the bushel, put it under the bed? If that is the case, you will find you would, it, would, it, it it should explain some of your restlessness in you. Because it's irre- irrevocable. Okay, let me just go on. Isaiah 55, verse 11. Let's read together. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. God's words, God's decrees and blessing, everything that comes forth from me in his mouth are irrevocable. The whole purpose, those of us who have, uh, who have gone through the book of Esther some time ago, if you want to read through it again, you know, the, the, one of the things that the book of East, uh, Esther the book of Esther, is this, that the decree of the king is irrevocable. The king issued one decree, kill off all the Jews. He realized that, he believed, he was misled. And Mordecai and Esther pleaded with the king, would you revoke that, would you cancel the decree? Say, cannot. My decree stands. But I can issue another decree. That decree is this, that now, first decree say, on this particular day, you can kill all the Jews. Second decree, from now onward, the Jews can organize army, they buy arms, you know, nuclear warfare and all that to, to protect themselves. Anybody who lay hands on the Jews, the Jews can fight back and kill. Second decree. How wise is that? Now, there's our God. The first decree that comes forth all who sins must die. But we pleaded with God God, don't lie. I know you love me, ma. I'm, you know, I, I repent. Nah. But my word stands Have you sinned? You have sinned. You must die. You must suffer for your sin. But God issued a second decree. I send my son, my one and only son, to die on the cross for all those who sin. If you believe in him, you will pass from death to life. Second decree. The word of God. How wise is he? His words cannot be revoked. His blessing. He said, I will bless you. He will not revoke. I will bless the descendants of Abraham. He will not revoke it. These are a few things. God's gifts, God's calling, God's vocation, God's words, God's decrees, and God's blessing are irrevocable. Okay, let me just introduce you to another concept called what is irrecoverable. You know what is irrecoverable? When you drink milk, huh? You drink milk. You accidentally, bah, you spill over the floor. Can take back or not? Cannot. Yeah, can, can take back the milk or not? Huh? Cannot, right? Cannot. Cannot. She's not very sure. Maybe, better ask mummy. Can take me the milk or not? Cannot. That's why we say no point crying over spilled milk, right? Milk spilled already, but nowadays we have powerful mop. Lah. <laughs> so, shah, mop lah. mop everything up, immediately mop up and squeeze it back That's <laughs> a <It doesn't> milk. <laughs> but you know it's irrecoverable, right? No point crying over spilled milk. Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse one and verse eleven. Let's read together. To, to, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Verse eleven. He has made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts. Except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. Message to us that time is irrecoverable. There is one thing that cannot be recovered. Time. Because God said in Ecclesiastes in, in 3, verse 1, for everything, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. That means that there is an opportunity. There is sometimes we say the kairos time for things to happen. If you miss it, that, that, that time, you cannot turn back. If there is a time in, let's say, 2018, something is going to happen. You know, we cannot go back. Turn back the clock to go back to 2018 and do it and make decisions over again. That's why it is a fantasy. It is uh, it is a very comforting fantasy for a human being. We watch movie that we can travel back in time, right? I love science, uh, science, science, science fiction uh, movie, right? I was a uh, science students, huh? uh, study physics and all that. But you know, it's so it's so amazing to look at you know, how how uh, how these scientists uh, develop on the. Uh, the theory of uh, relativity by Einstein and said that you can actually travel back time wow, it's very it's all fantasy lah. travel back time you can go back to time you can, you can make the decision fresh and new wonderful but the fact of the matter is that time is irrecoverable it cannot be recovered it is not something that we can travel back in time the, the, the writer of Ecclesiastes says that for time for every purpose in heaven right? under heaven. And verse 11, he says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts and so on. If time is, if can be, time can be recovered, then we all can look forever young. Isn't it wonderful, eh? But we cannot. You know, the wrinkle comes out, we can reduce it, you No, know? uh, but we cannot keep it Forever away, there will come a time. Uh, even like uh, you know the uh, much beloved uh, uh, Prince uh, Philip, also for some for at some point that we thought that he was going to be immortal, you know. But still, he, so still he died. Time cannot be recovered. Then what does it mean to live a redeemed life? Let us put all this together. Redemption and recovery. Very quickly. Redemption and recovery. Though we cannot recover the irrecoverable, we can redeem the irrecoverable. Uh, You can read it. You can download it. You can copy it. Though we cannot recover the irrecoverable we can redeem the irrecoverable there may be time that we have lost we look back into our life we have regrets i don't know about you i have plenty of them deep deep regrets but even though i say to myself if i were to given a time give it an opportunity to travel back in time i don't know whether i would do it right in this time because i was like that The state of me in 2010 is different from the state of me in 2021. The state of me in 2010 may just wire up everything in that that time to make a decision that I'll regret anyway. (laughs) We cannot go back in time to recover all our mistakes, to redeem all our mistakes, but we can redeem what has been lost because the the God whom we serve is a God of redemption. Whatever that you miss, opportunity that you miss, milk that has been spilled on the floor, no need to cry over it. Pray for redemption. God will give you a new cow. So you have milk. That's what I mean. We have lost a million, two, maybe more than that. No point trying to cry over those lost millions. Redemption means that God, I'm sorry, I cried out to you. On the day of my distress, of my trouble, I cried out to you. There are mistakes that I make, terrible, terrible mistakes, which I'm still suffering and living in its consequence. I don't know about you, I have a few. I look back, I said, oh God, you know, in the past, I say, oh God, if I could, only if I could go back in time, if I were to uh, relive my life again. Sometimes, in, in our, you know, in, 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 uh, uh, in uh, Icebreaker, we ask, if you have a, if you have a opportunity to live, relive your life uh, 20 years ago, what would you do? Of course, those are all fantasy. You know? Now you are in 2021, you, you can decide what you want to do 20 years ago. But the 20 years ago, you uh, would not think like a 2021 you. You understand what I'm saying? So it is a recovery, it is a futile tie exercise actually. Futile is a fantasy. But God is not a God of fantasy. God is God is reality. His redemption is means that now I can give you a new opportunity. You can walk through that path as a new man. Opportunity, Kairos moment can be opened to you. That what cannot be recovered, you can redeem it. That means that you get the chance to walk through that road again. Moses, I share on Tuesday. That's why I ask us to, if we if you want to understand more about what I share on Tuesday, on uh, for for Moses. Moses when he was 40 years old, there was uh, righteous anger rising up. He was, he has this sense of justice. You know, he saw his own Hebrew brothers being, being a bully, being uh, by the uh, by Egyptian. He stood, he stood up, chang, he slaughtered the Egyptian. He was such, he was well trained. He was smart. Probably he was handsome too. He has power. He has energy. He was the right man when he was 40 years old, young, to lead the Israel out of Egypt. But because of that act, he became a fugitive. He ran into the wilderness. Did not he? Did not do that. And it seems that he has lost the kairos time of God's calling upon his life. But remember, God's call and vocation is irrevocable but did he lose something that he could not recover? Yes. He cannot turn back the clock and go back when he was 40 years old again. He did not have the backing of the palace. He did not have the resources of the palace of one of the greatest king in his time, Pharaoh of Egypt. He did not have all these advantages. But when he was 80 years old, he was already long past retirement age. God said, now is the time. Moses said, I'm 80 years old. Are you kidding me? Can you ask somebody else to to do it? Did he do it? Did the eighty-year-old Moses did what the forty years old did not were not able to do? He did it. That is redeeming the irrecoverable. Not many of us are eighty years old. At least I don't see anyone here. We can redeem. The irrecoverable. Do not give up. Number two, we can certainly recover the irrecoverable if we live out. So the irrevocable, sorry, yeah. If we can certainly recover <laughs> the glasses, uh, this one is also e, 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 irrecoverable, eh? <laughs> the high side. <laughs> but the redemption is the glasses. Eh? <laughs> We can certainly recover the irrevocable as we lift up the redemption in Christ Jesus. What is the irrevocable? God's gifting. God's calling. God's vocation. What else? What else? God's word. God's decrees. God's promises. God's blessing. Not only upon our lives, upon our generation, our children, generational blessing. We've been, we've been praying about generational blessings in the past two weeks, uh, three weeks, over our... our uh, power station, we can certainly recover the irrevocable if we live out the redemption in Christ Jesus. That's what we are praying. That this is, this is where our faith is, my, my, my dear friends, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. There are things that is irrevocable that is not happening in your life. We have been praying for our children, our younger generation, not just children, but the younger generation, the generation like this, and the youth, and like, you know, like the teenager and all that. Do you look at our generation, you know that, you look at this younger generation, do you you realise that something is missing from their life? If you do, determine there is not, not many of this, in fact, none of this is irrecoverable. They are the irrevocable things of God. Do not let the irrevocable things of God, the blessing, irrevocable blessing of God in our next generation life, in our own lives, lost and we do nothing about it. Call on the Lord. On that day, He will hear. He will activate His salvation plan. No point crying over spilled milk. And it is absolutely foolishness if we know we can recover something and we do nothing about it. Isn't it? living a redeemed life. It is not going back to time to amend our mistakes. If the desire to go back time to amend our mistakes is driven by guilt, it is not living by plagued by guilt. We look at children, we look at our own lives, we look at our businesses, we look at our health and all the, all the rest of it. I should have done this. I should have done this if our life is continuously plagued by guilt, huh, we cannot move forward. Living a redeemed, redeemed life is not to ignore our, our past mistakes, our failing, our sins. It's not to forget them. God may forgive for, forget our sins. He must remember them so that we know how deep God's grace is how privileged we are, how much we are loved. Sometimes we forget our sins. When God loves us, we forgot that love is undeserved. In place of that love should be punishment, should be curses. That love is not an entitlement. The grace of God is not an entitlement in our life. Only when we remember the depth of our sin. Paul said, when I read the words of Paul, I said, Paul, you are, you are just a drama king. He said, I'm, the, I'm worse than the scum of the earth. I feel like the scum of the earth, rather. I'm the lowest of all sinners. I'm the, I'm the number one of all sinners. I said, Paul, come on, you're exaggerating. You know, when Paul wrote that, he just looked at his own sin, and he looked at his own sin, honestly, and he realized the depth of his sin and that's how he saw himself and that's why Paul can write such a powerful discourse about grace beautiful discourse about grace in the book of Ephesians in the book of Romans beautiful beautiful about grace my dear friends my dear brothers and sisters in Christ when we remember our sins our mistakes it is not to be driven by guilt. It is to remember how good God is and to live in that daily reality and daily presence of God's love, God's grace, God's mercy. Every day I live, I live in the grace of God because today I don't deserve to live, let alone entitled to love. Secondly, it is not to stop others from making the same mistake as we did, driven by fear. I tell you, our uh, son, don't make the same mistake as I as I did, uh. Your father, when he was uh, he when he was your age, uh, make the same mistake that you are doing. If you if you if you go in this path, uh, I break your leg, uh. Is it? Have you heard something like that from your dad? <laughs> we heard something like that from my from my grandfather? If you run this way, I will break your leg. It is a road to destruction. Driven by fear. When we are driven by fear, what do we do? We intimidate. We intimidate. No. It is not to stop others from making the same mistake as we did. We, 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 we teach, we persuade. Most important, we call on the name of the Lord to invoke the help of God for our next generation and leave the decision sometimes very anxiously, sometimes very challenging, son, daughter, the choice now is yours. I hope you choose wisely. But before that, we will need to surround this generation of opportunity, of teaching, of impartation, of prayers, most and all, most foremost of all, so that they will be inundated in our prayers, day and night. What do we pray for day and night? Pray for situations that men cannot change. You and I cannot change. Lives, heart of man, including our own hearts, cannot change our own hearts, can we? We want to do well, but we can't. Paul described it very well. So, it is not to stop others from making the same mistake. We will discipline, we will blame, boundary, we cannot force it upon the next generation. But we must guide, persuade, guide, persuade, and lead. And all that never driven by fear. In a very short mention, and I mentioned this before, the, one of the biggest glaring feature in the life of Job, the Job chapter 1, he was, he, his righteousness, his concern for his children was driven by fear. And that was something that was imperfect in his faith. What is it? Living a redeemed life in conclusion. But it is taking up our responsibility and authority in Christ to redeem the irrecoverable and to recover the irrevocable. There is a responsibility on our part we must take up. There is authority that we have in Christ. We must exercise those authority to redeem the irrecoverable, as I mentioned that already, and to recover the uh, irrevocable, meaning that what God has said, what God has done, what God has promised, it is He has not pulled back. You are not having it. Where is it? It is for us to recover. The merchant has sent out the the product. The courier company has picked it up and it has not reached your house. It is irrevocable. The company said, I have sent it out. I trust the courier company he will deliver. But you have not received it. What do you do? Never mind. (laughs) It is something that is irrevocable. You will recover it, man. You call the courier company. Where is it? Tracking number. You track it but sometimes we don't even track our blessing. We don't even track our generational blessing. It is not arriving. Where is it? Never mind. It's God's will. God said, I've delivered it. I've dispatched it. It will not return to me void until it it has prospered in the very thing that it was sent forth. We cannot say, never mind. We should not say, never mind. We need to be assured. Uh, uh, we are. We need to be and motivated by God's unfailing love and faithfulness. Living a redeemed life is redeeming destiny. Let us pray. Father, we come to you. We thank you for. The word that you have given to us. Thank you, Lord, for assuring us, comforting us, that even the irrecoverable can be redeemed, but the irrevocable surely can be recovered. We thank You, O God, that as we come to You, we draw near to You, let us, we pray, O God, that You enable us to to focus on You and on You alone, O Lord. Father, we pray that as we look to You, as we have received Your words, Lord, we want to respond to Your words. by saying that you're the centre of, of all, all we do, you're centre of all our lives. And every word that you say, Lord, we take it seriously. Lord, we know that when we make you the centre of our life, you will return us to the centre of your heart, to the centre of your will. Lord today we just want to do that. We want to make your words and your presence to be the, to be at the center of our of, of, of our life. We want to make the worship of you at the center of our life, the honoring of you, so that we may be returned to the center of your heart, to the center of your will.